Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. How you doing today? Let me go ahead and get started over here on Instagram as well. Hello, Facebook, YouTube. Got Instagram down here. See a couple of you jumping on already. Glad to have you, Miss Shirley, Miss Sarah. Glad to see that you're watching today. I'm excited for today's broadcast. It's going to be another good one. If you didn't catch the first two, Monday and Tuesday, they're up, of course, on Facebook, on YouTube, on the Instagram channel. Uh, they're up there. will be there indefinitely. And then uh, also, they'll be up on the podcast channel. If you like podcasts, listening to uh, podcast. Uh, Gospel Tabernacle Church has a podcast channel. You just search Gospel Tabernacle Church. Our icon is our name with an open study Bible. And so you can follow us there on Apple, on Google, Stitcher, all the places that you can get podcasts. And so I'm excited that you're uh, that you're on today. And of course, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, and I will, and I put in the comment section, go ahead and share the broadcast. Uh, go ahead and share the broadcast. Hey, Suzanne. Glad to have you on today. Uh, as you share the broadcast, you're going to be put in. Each time you share, you get a better chance of winning Friday's giveaway. We're going to give away two giveaways Friday. Um, we're going to give away, let me throw up the graphic here. We're going to give away the book by Pastor Lester Sumrall, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. It's a great, 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 great book. Uh, it goes through a lot of what we've been learning about, about God, the Holy Spirit, how he moves and operates in the church and the life of the believer, uh, what he has planned for your life and how he wants to minister through you. And so that's a great book. It's something I think you should be read uh, by every Christian uh, at least once a year. And it's a good read, a good study. And then, of course, while you're reading that, I'm going to take you out for lunch. We're going to give away a Chick-fil-A gift card. So it's two It's two sets. Two people are going to win a book and a gift card, book and a gift card. So as you share the broadcast, as you comment along, all the times you interact, it just puts you higher up the ladder of being drawn to win. And I'm going to tell who wins, the two people that win, this coming Friday. We're going to do those, re reveal who the winners are this coming Friday. And some of y'all that have watched, y'all have won before. So who knows? Uh, maybe you'll be you'll be the lucky ones to win again. Um, <clears throat> just a little bit of review as you're sharing the broadcast and you're getting yourself ready uh, to listen today. The first two days we've covered, uh, Monday we covered that the Holy Spirit is like fire and that he cleanses us, that he cleans out anything inside of us that doesn't need to be there. He makes us clean and he makes us pure. And he energizes us and fills us with his power to do uh, what he's called us to do. Like Christ, that he was filled with the zeal, the fire of God to do about what God has called him to do. And then we also saw that the Holy Spirit is like a dove and that he is gentle and he is the comforter. In fact, we see that in our main text that we're, we're going to read here in just a few minutes. In John 14, 15 and 16, we see that the Holy Spirit is the comforter who comforts, who comes along alongside us, leads us and guides us. We saw yesterday that the Holy Spirit is like water, that he is life-giving and he is infinite in his power to give life. Uh, we saw those three steps 
to being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with him. If he's like water, we can be full of water, right? Naturally, you can drink as much water or as le uh, less amount of water as you want to. You can drink a lot or a little. It's your choice. The Holy Spirit's like water in the same way. We can have a lot of them or a little of them. And the reason you're here watching today, you're listening today, you're catching the replay, you're listening to the podcast is because you want a lot of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want all that he has available for you. I know I do. If the Bible has it promised, if Jesus paid the price for the goodness of himself and his blessings and his promises to be made available to me, if he paid for that with his precious blood and his life and his sinless life, then I want what he paid for. And part of that is the indwelling presence and the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. And we saw that you've got to stay thirsty. You've got to come to Jesus and you've got to drink, 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 drink of the rivers of, of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to pick up. I, I had two set for yesterday, but I did not get through uh, that, that third one, which the Holy Spirit is like water. So we're going to jump right in on this fourth symbol or emblem we can see in the Bible. This isn't something I made up. This isn't just something that, oh, that'll sound neat or fun. This is, this is scriptural examples, Bible examples of how God is giving a natural example for our minds to understand who he is and how he operates in us. And that's so merciful of God. He's showing us, he's telling us, he's revealing to us his nature through a natural example so we can grasp it in our mind. Because we talked about that yesterday. We understand the things of God by our spirit. First, First Corinthians 2 told us that. That we understand natural things through our mind, but by our spirit, we understand the things of the spirit. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't give illustrations and examples so that we can have a full understanding in our spirit and in our minds. After all, God wants our mind renewed by his word. And so we see that in the life of Jesus, right? In the teaching of parables. Uh, he teaches so many times with illustrations of seed. Uh, of casting out seed, of harvesting in a crop, of a master with servants. He, he has all these parables, a woman that lost you know, the, a coin and she looked for it, a pearl of great price. A man sold everything he had to buy this field with the pearl of great price in it. So God uses illustrations and we're working through these illustrations, these examples, these symbols of the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit is fire or is what we'll see today, wind or oil, but he is like he has the same characteristics of these natural things that God is showing us so that we can have a better understanding of how he operates in our life, how he ministers in us and through us. So let's start in our main scriptures. Our main text that we're going to begin is these are these three verses in the book of John. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. We mentioned that yesterday, that the Holy Spirit is my teacher. John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, we made mention yesterday that the Holy Spirit exalts Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life will lift Christ high. In John 16, 13, 
However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will teach you things to come. Man, I got excited when I read that yesterday. The whole, When we mentioned that, the Holy Spirit reveals secret things to us. And that's what the work of the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer, is the Holy Spirit teaches us. He comforts us. He anoints us. He guides us. He leads us. And he reveals the secret things of God to our spirit. He gives us understanding, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things of the Lord, but that which has been revealed is ours and our children's, which means there are some things that are secret and some things that are revealed. And all a revealed thing is, is something that once was a secret, but it's been made known. In Jeremiah 33, 3, call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. I will show you hidden and secret things. And that's what we're experiencing right now as we study the word of God. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to reveal some things that you've never seen before in his word because he is the master teacher. Now, I want you to see today the first one that we're going to cover today, this first symbol, this first emblem of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is like wind. I want you to type that out in the comment section. Those listening on the podcast, say that out loud where you're listening. The Holy Spirit is like wind. The Holy Spirit is like wind. The Holy Spirit is like wind. John 3, verse 3 is where we're going we're to start with this first one today. John 3, verse 3. The Holy Spirit is like wind. In the book of John, John chapter 3, we have this Pharisee named Nicodemus. I like Nicodemus. He was of the religious order. He was of the Pharisees, but he had a true heart. And his heart was turned towards the things of God. And he had his heart open to Christ. And he begins to talk to Christ this one evening. And it says in verse 3, John 3, verse 3, he's talking to Jesus. In fact, let's just begin in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. He's trying to figure some things out here. Jesus is a, is a little controversial in what he's saying. He's not quite sure, so I'll go talk to Jesus. Uh, but I'll do it at night. Why do you do things at night? So no one can see you. So he's, he's there, but he went. Praise God, he went. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Okay, I believe you're a teacher, and I believe you're from God, and you've come from God. Why does he believe these things? For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Amen. Acts 10, 38. We're going to see that in just a few minutes. When God is with you, miracles take place. Once you put that in the comment section, it's a little bit of a, that's an extra bonus point there. Not quite on what we're on yet, but put that in the comment section. Say that out loud by faith. If God's with me, when, excuse me, when God's with me, miracles happen. When God is with me, miracles happen. We know you're of God because no one can do these signs unless God is with them. When God is with me, miracles happen. Praise God. Hey, Teddy, glad to have you on today. 
Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're coming up on Easter Sunday, and that's what we're going to celebrate is the resurrected, uh, our resurrected Lord and Savior. And in part in celebrating that, we're declaring that there is one way to heaven. There is one way to heaven, Christ Jesus. And unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know, you mothers listening, can you imagine that? It's enough to bear the pain of, of labor once for that child. But thank God you don't have to rebirth that child. Amen. That, that's a work of the Lord. <laughs> the second birth is a work of God. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to rebirth that child when it's grown? Amen. And Nicodemus, his wheels are turning. Because remember, we, we established this uh, yesterday. The Holy Spirit teaches us spiritual things. So Nicodemus is hearing Jesus say, you, you need to be born again, Nicodemus. Hey, Nick, you need to be born again. He's thinking, how can I be born again? I'm, am I going to hop back in my mother's womb? That's impossible. But he's trying to understand a spiritual truth with a natural mind. He's trying to understand the things of the Spirit, but use the faculties of man, mind, sense knowledge. And that's really what it comes down to. There is faith knowledge and there's sense knowledge. There's sense knowledge, natural, mind, taste, touch, feel, see, emotions, and then there's spirit knowledge. I want you to put that in the comment section. Say that out loud as you're listening on the podcast. There is sense knowledge and spirit knowledge. Type that out. Say that out loud where you're at. There is sense knowledge and there is spirit knowledge. Amen. I, that's good. I'm going to write that down myself. There is sense knowledge and there is spirit knowledge. And what we want is spirit knowledge. And so in order for us to receive spirit knowledge, we have to have the author and the teacher of this spirit knowledge, which is the Holy Spirit. So Nicodemus, he doesn't quite understand. What do you mean? How can I be born again? Because Jesus just said, you will not see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And he's trying to understand this through spirit knowledge, but he need, or excuse me, sense knowledge. But what he needs is spirit knowledge. Verse five, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. So there's two births that a person can experience. Natural birth, which if you're here listening, you experienced it. Amen. Unless there's some alien terrestrials that are hopped on the on the broadcast. If you're a human and you're born, uh, if you're human, you're listening, you've been born at least once. All people have been born once. But Jesus says that's not the only birth that you can experience. You can also experience a second birth, the spirit birth. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. 
but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. There's a couple things here we're going to see. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like wind in that it is resur- He is resurrection power. The Holy Spirit is life. The Holy Spirit is the life of God. When you are born again, you are made alive by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has a dual ministry and purpose. And we can see that so clearly in the Bible. There is an inward working of the Holy Spirit and an outward working of the Holy Spirit. And in this study that we're, we've done the past two days, today and two more days, Thursday and Friday of this week, same time, 12 p.m., as we cover these five sessions this week, we're just really touching on getting a taste of the ministry of the Holy Spirit because his ministry is broad and wide and deep. And he does so many things in the life of the believer and through the life of the believer, in the church and through the church. And we're going to see that. But there's so many things you can study on what the Holy Spirit does through his gifts, through his ministries, miracles, signs and wonders, uh, so many different things that the Holy Spirit does. But by and large, there's basically two main ministries in the believer that the Holy Spirit operates, and that's within and without. Uh, Kenneth E. Hagan, mighty man of God, he had a book and a series written. Uh, it's great. It's probably on YouTube, but it's called The Spirit Within and the Spirit Upon. When you're saved, you are infilled with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says that no one says Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But there is a subsequent, a second, uh, a second experience, not a less than, but a following, I should say. When you're saved, there is a following experience that is your covenant right to receive as, as a Christian. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now think about it. When you're saved, one of, there's two things that we do as Christians as outward display of our salvation. Baptism in water and to observe the Lord's Supper or communion. Okay, let's take baptism in water. When you're baptized in water, is the water on the inside of you or on the outside? You go down in the water and you're covered by the water and you come up dripping, sopping wet. But it is a natural display of what happened spiritually, that I have died with Christ I'm buried with Christ, and I've risen unto life with Christ. It's a natural display of what spiritually happened. But think about that. When you are baptized, they don't pour the water in you. Now, if you open up your mouth when I dunk you under, you'll get water in you, yes. But generally speaking, when you're baptized, the water's on the outside. The water's on the outside. That's why you got to bring a change of clothes when you get baptized. Because you're soaking wet. Okay, the work of the Holy Spirit is twofold. Just like you can drink water or you can be dunked in water, the Holy Spirit's the same way. It's very simple. It's very simple. And Jesus said this. He said, look, I I have to save you because an old wine skin can't hold new wine. And the new wine is the Holy Spirit. So I need to make you brand new so I can fill you. And when I fill you, I want to anoint you. And we're going to see that in just a minute. 
So hold on, keep listening. And the Holy Spirit has to birth you into the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is like wind in that he is resurrection power. He is life-giving power. You can I say the Holy Spirit's like wind. Maybe this makes it a little bit easier to understand. The Holy Spirit is like oxygen. You can't see the breath you're breathing. Unless it's really cold, you can see you yourself exhale, right? But we I can't see the oxygen in this room, but I know it's here because I haven't passed out yet. If there's no if the oxygen is is sucked out of this room, I will pass out, I'll go unconscious, eventually die. If I do not have the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I will suffocate, pass out, and die spiritually. Because the Holy Spirit is the life-giving presence and source of God. He is the life of God. And He's like wind. He's like air. He's like oxygen. He's like a flush, a rush of wind, a mighty wind coming into your life and filling you with His power. And we see this. This literally took place in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. We kept on reading just the other day, the first day, about we keep reading and fire sat on their heads because the Holy Spirit's like fire. But here we see a rushing mighty wind from heaven came. So there was this natural <sighs> rush of the wind of God. And it came on these 120 disciples in the upper room. Amen. It came on 120 people. Now think about it. The Holy Spirit's like wind in that it He gives life. He gives life. He gives resurrection power. He is the source of life in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the source of life in Christ. What happens to those 120 disciples that get baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin speaking in tongues? They become a sign and a wonder to the city of Jerusalem to where people hear their own languages coming out of their mouth by a supernatural act. And that day, 3,000 people are saved. So the rushing mighty wind of the Holy Spirit came on 120 and in one sermon, Peter preaches, 3,000 get saved. The Holy Spirit's like wind in that he gives life. He's like oxygen. He gives life. He makes things come alive. The Holy Spirit breathes the breath of life, the life of Christ, and makes you come alive. That should be our prayer as Christians. I know, you know a lot of y'all that are watching are Gospel Tabernacle Church family. But if you're watching and listening, listening and you're not, that's the prayer we should you should have for your church. Gospel Tabernacle family, that's the that's the prayer you should have for our church. Christian, that is the prayer you should have for your church. Holy Spirit, blow on my church family with the breath of life. Blow on this church, blow on this service. Easter's coming up. Uh, blow on this Easter service in my church with the breath of life. Let the breath of the Holy Ghost, let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow through our church family and blow out everything that's dead. 
blow everything out that's unclean. Blow the breath of life and make people come alive. Let us see salvations by the breath of life. Because this is what Jesus is saying here. Look, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of the Spirit. And the Spirit, He blows like wind. You can't see it. You cannot explain it naturally. But you know it's there. Because you can see the you can't see the wind blowing. You don't know which way the wind's blowing, which direction the wind's blowing, until you see the trees bend from the weight or movement of the wind. You look at you look at the trees and you can tell what the wind's doing. How do you know what the Holy Spirit's doing in the earth? You see what the body of Christ is doing. You see what the church is doing. You see the works of Jesus. Oh, well, I know that's the wind of the Holy Spirit in the sails of the church, pushing them, causing them to take dominion in the earth. Now look at this. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, verse 9. Ezekiel has several visions. And in Ezekiel 37, he has this powerful vision of this graveyard of a bunch of dry bones. And, the, and God tells him to prophesy in this vision to these dry bones. These dry bones represent prophetically the nation of Israel that will be restored in the time in the days to come. Prophetically. Ezekiel 37 verse 9 says this. And also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to the breath, now hold on, listen here, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now that word, you understand in the in the Old Testament, the original Bible languages in the Old Testament is Hebrew, in the New Testament, Greek and Aramaic. And in the Old Testament, this, this word here that's being used, breath, is ruach. Ruach. You like that? Like you're having to clear your throat of something. But that's how that's how it's pronounced. Ruach. And that word means breath of life. So you could say it, you could read it literally. Prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to the breath of life, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe, and the breath of life, breathe the breath of life on these slain that they may live. Well, what's interesting is the breath of life is what God, when he formed and fashioned Adam in the Garden of Eden from the dust of the earth, there was just a dead, lifeless body. It was just formed and fashioned. It was lifeless. And then God breathes the breaths of lives. He breathes into Adam, and Adam comes alive. He ruach into Adam, and he came alive. And Ezekiel, in this vision, the Spirit is saying to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Breath, breathe on that which is dead. See, the Holy Spirit has a ministry of making dead things come alive. Glory to God. 
The Holy Spirit has a ministry of making dead things come to life. He is the life of Christ. He is the spirit of life. He's the breath of life. And when the Holy Spirit blows like wind, he makes things come to life. He brings the dead to life. Now, th this is so this is so powerful. You can see this in Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, we see the life of the Spirit, that the Spirit is the Spirit of life. Romans 8, verse 2 says this. For the law of the Spirit of life, notice there, the Spirit of life, the breath of life. In the Greek, the word we use for the Holy Spirit is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. It's one of those words where the first letter is silent. I always wondered, why is it there if it's not pronounced? But pneuma. Now think about it. You, you, you use that word probably in times you've never realized it, but the word pneuma is the word for Holy Spirit in the New Testament. But have you ever heard of a pneumatic hand, you know, nail gun? What's a pneumatic nail gun or pneumatic wrench? If you go to a place to get your tires rotated, they're not going to get your tire iron out and spin, you know, spin those lugs off. They're going to take a wrench that's hooked up to an air compressor and put it on those lugs and broom, broom, right? Our pneumatic nail gun. You pull the trigger and poof, 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 and nail things down. But what powers the nail gun or what powers that pneumatic wrench? Air. It's hooked up to an air compressor. And when that trigger's pulled, it makes a demand on the air that's in the tank. And that air rushes through and makes that thing work. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. You are a tool in the tool chest of, God, uh, of God's tool chest. You are a minister. We saw yesterday a minister or, or Monday we saw you are a minister of fire. You are a servant of God. And just like that pneumatic nail gun or pneumatic wrench, it needs air hooked up to it. You need the Holy Spirit blowing his breath of life in you continually. Not a one-time event. Not, a, you know, only on Sundays. Not, you know, on Christmas and Easter. Not when you want to run and shout. Daily, continually, 24-7, you need the Holy Spirit breathing his breath of life, his holy, rushing, mighty wind in and through you. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Notice that the spirit of life, the breath of life, the Holy Spirit makes you free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit causes the dead things to come to life. And it further goes on to say this. Uh, Paul gives us this revelation of the work of the Holy Spirit. He continues it in this first letter to the Corinthian church. First Corinthians. Hey, Danette, glad to have you on. No problem. It'll be up for rewatch. For a replay. First Corinthians 15, verse 45 says this. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, who's the first Adam? Adam. 
that was formed and fashioned by the hand of God from the dust of the earth in the Garden of Eden. And he became a living being when God breathed into him. Who is the last Adam? Well, we know that from the testimony of Scripture. That is Christ Jesus. Romans 5 tells us that. The first Adam brought sin into the earth, but the last Adam, the second Adam, brought life, Christ Jesus. Now notice, the first Adam, he was breathed into with the breath of life, the Spirit of God, and he came alive. And the last Adam, he became a life-giving spirit because God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect unity, they are one in totality and unity. He became, and we understand that Jesus Christ is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, Luke 3.16. We saw, we've seen that several times. The Holy Spirit, is, or excuse me, Jesus Christ is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. We saw that in the book of John. Jesus said, pray to the Father that I will send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, verse 46 of 1 Corinthians 15, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterwards the spiritual. Remember, we just read in John 3, Jesus said you have to be born of water first. Then you're born of the Spirit. So it's not spiritual, then natural. It's natural, then spirit. Verse 47, first man was of the earth, made of dust. And the second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who were made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And we have borne the image of man of dust, and we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So we're back. We made a full circle to John 3. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. How are you born again? The Holy Spirit makes you alive on the Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit fills you from within. The Holy Spirit makes you a new creation. The Holy Spirit is the life of Christ coming into you, making you alive unto God. That right there is enough to make you run, jump, shout, and go down a couple blocks on your street and come back. I'm doing my absolute best not to run off right now because <laughs> that gets me excited. That's so powerful of the, of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He makes dead things come to life. All right, here's the next point. The whole, Put this in the comment section. Type it out in the chat. Say it out loud, those listening. The Holy Spirit is like oil. The Holy Spirit is like oil. The Holy Spirit is like oil. Now, what, is a rep what does oil represent in the Bible? Oil represents a couple things. It represents consecration. We may not use, we might, that word may be a little foreign to us. We don't use consecration a whole lot, but consecration means to be set aside. Let me make that example real plain. Maybe some of you at your home, you have uh, a certain set of dishes. Well, you know, maybe it's china, maybe it's certain kind of plates or dishes. Maybe they're decorated with Easter decorations or Christmas decorations or Fourth of July. 
and you have a certain set of dishes and glassware and silverware set aside for special occasion. That's what that word consecration means. Maybe you have a certain, uh, you open up your closet where all your clothes are and there's certain clothes set aside for, you know, Laura and I just did some painting here at the church in the nursery. We have clothes set aside for painting. I have clothes that are set aside to paint, cut grass, work on the car, build, do whatever, you know, outside stuff, get dirty, don't care clothes, right? That's what consecrated means, to be set aside. I also have, but on the other side of my closet, I have clothes set aside for church, Sunday morning church, funerals, weddings, when I need to dress up, look real sharp, or at least try my best. Those clothes are set aside for a purpose. The Holy Spirit is like oil in that he consecrates or sets apart those that he fills. He anoints you. You are anointed. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will set you apart and he will consecrate you. The oil is also a representation of value. You understand oil is expensive. Even today, if you're going to get the good stuff, if you're going to get good oil, right? Extra virgin olive oil. That's much more expensive than vegetable oil. Extra virgin olive oil is also much healthier for you. It's heart healthy. It's very good for you. That's why it's also expensive. Because it takes more to produce extra virgin olive oil than it does the vegetable oil. It's a harder, more uh, intense process to produce that oil. So it carries a higher value. Oil also represents value. You are not invaluable. You are not worth less. You're worth something. You're worth the blood of Christ. How do I know you're worth the blood of Christ? Because Jesus freely gave his blood for you. That determines your value. Value is not determined by what someone says it is, but by the price willing to be paid. How do I know how much this Bible here is worth? You know, naturally speaking. Uh, uh, maybe that's not the best example because my Bible's worth everything because it shows me the ways of life. But okay, let's do this. Uh, this pen. How much is this pen worth? This is a metal pen I've got. I love pens. I love pens and watches. I get that from my dad. How much is this pen worth? Nice bright blue Aegean blue. This pen is not worth what people say it's worth or what the company, Everman, who, every man who sells these pens, this pen is not worth what they say it's worth. It's worth what people are willing to pay for it. They could say this pen is worth $10,000, but they're not going to pay. No one's going to pay $10,000 for it because it's not It's not of that value. So they set it. I think it was $39.99. This real nice metal pen that I can change out the fill, you know, the fillers and everything, ink fills and all that. Fills get in the hand. And so they put a price on it, but they know that price works because people will pay for it. And it's no different than you. You are valuable. You are priceless because the price that was paid for your redemption is the greatest price that's ever been paid for anything. The life and blood of Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit anoints, consecrates, sets you apart and covers and fills you with himself because you are of high value.
you are of high value. Now, let's look at this idea. The Holy Spirit is like oil in that he sets you apart and he anoints you to do what God has commanded you to do. We can see this in the life of Christ. The prophet Isaiah prophesies of what Christ would come to do. In Isaiah 61, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance and of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise the spirit for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like oil is poured out to separate and consecrate. If you look in the Old Testament, there are kings. Kings were anointed. Priests were anointed. Prophets were anointed. The temple was anointed. The tabernacle was anointed. The Ark of the Covenant was anointed. Stones. Jacob, I just read that today. Jake, two different times when Jacob encounters God, he has a dream and then he wrestles with the Lord. Both those places, he builds an altar of stone and pours out oil on those stones, saying this place is special because this is where I encountered God, you are anointed of the Holy Spirit with the oil of joy, the oil of the Holy Spirit, because you encounter God. You have encountered God through Christ Jesus, and you're continually encountering him through the study of the word, through the through your prayer time, through the confession of the word, through witnessing, through listening to these broadcasts, to being in church, to memorizing scripture, to meditating on the word of God. That's you encountering the living God. And you're anointed to do that. You're anointed to preach the good news. You're anointed to tell someone about what Jesus has done in your life. You're anointed to speak the truth of God's word. You're anointed to heal the brokenhearted. You're anointed to proclaim, hey, you can be set free. You don't have to be bound up in sin, in the law of sin and the law of death, because the spirit of the law of the law of the spirit of life has come. Christ Jesus has come. You're anointed to say to those that are in prison, you're set free. Those that are bound up, you don't have to be bound up anymore. And Jesus rehearses, he prophesies, he he speaks what Isaiah speaks from six, uh, Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, actually. Uh, because the day of the vengeance of God has not yet come. That's the day of the Lord that will take place in the day of tribulation. But notice this, verse 3. You've been given oil of joy for your mourning. Oil is something very costly. And it was not used during time of famine or time of depression. You can see that. Oil vats ran out. What was it? Elijah went to the widow woman of Zarephath. And what did he tell her? Go, what do you have? Make me some bread. She says, I got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I'm going to make one last meal and me and my son are going to eat it and die. Elijah says, go make me some first. And because she obeyed, she was able, that oil multiplied itself, right? And it kept multiplying itself until she ran out of containers to hold it. 
Why was that so precious? Because during time of famine and drought, the oil, the olives are not producing, so you can't make oil. And if you don't have oil, you can't do all these things that you would use for oil. And even back then in ancient times, they used oils for so many more things, not just for cooking, but for health, natural health, for cleansing wounds, for skin health, for, for anointing people, for consecration, for worship to God. So oil is not something that is used in times of drought or famine. Oil is used during times of abundance, of life and joy. They didn't, uh, they didn't bring out oil at a funeral, but they did bring out oil at a wedding. They didn't bring out oil at times of death, but times of victory, times of increase, times of transition. And the oil of joy, the Holy Spirit has come to give you a garment of praise so that you don't have to wear a garment of heaviness anymore. Romans 14, 17 says the, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy by the Holy Spirit. And the oil of the Holy Spirit will anoint you to do the work of Christ. And it will anoint you to do, to, to be in the joy of the Lord. Psalms 45, 7. Let me read this to you. Psalms 45, 7. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. And the church said, Amen. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. That's in reference to Christ coming as the Messiah. But we see the biblical principle there. God loves righteousness and hates wickedness. And he anoints you with the oil of gladness. See, when you're set apart and you're separated unto God, you believe on Jesus, you're not like any other people. You're not like who you used to be. You're a new creation. You've been elevated above, above your companions, not in a sense of pride, but understand you have been infilled with the spirit of God and you carry the oil, the anointing that breaks the yoke. Isaiah 10, 27, the anointing breaks the yoke. The oil of the Holy Ghost, the anointing of the Holy Ghost destroys the bondage of sin. This is why I will never, ever, 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 ever get caught up in this idea of, of this, you know, it's, it's, it's a doctrine of devils. This idea, well, you know, you get saved, but, uh, you know, you still sin all the time and, uh, God, you know, God understands, you know, it's okay if you just kind of do whatever, like, like God knows you're going to mess up. It's all right, bro. It's okay. It's cool. No, the Holy Spirit indwells in you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the spirit of this world. You have been anointed by the Holy Spirit to be set free from sin. We read it in Romans 8. The law of the spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit breaks the bonds of sins. It breaks the bondage of sin. The oil of the Holy Spirit doesn't just cover sin. It destroys sin. It destroys the yoke. What did the spirit of the Lord say through Isaiah? I have come to set the captives free. 
The spirit of the Lord sets the captives free. The spirit of the Lord sets the captives free. God didn't come to earth as a man and shed sinless blood on my cross and your cross for us not to be set free. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Man, that puts a whole new spin on it, doesn't it? When you understand that the Holy Spirit's like oil and that he pours himself out on you to anoint you, to empower you, to set you apart so that you can do the work of himself, so that he can flow and work in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice this, Psalms 133. This is such a vivid example. And we need the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our churches. And that's a prayer you need to pray, Christian. That's I'm, I'm not saying Christian as in your name. I'm saying it like John Bunyan would say it. If you've ever read The Pilgrim's Progress, the main character in that book is Christian, right? The Christian. He's speaking to the Christian. Psalms 133, 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How do people, how, did the, how does the body of Christ dwell in unity? By being in the Holy Spirit. You want to know when church fights take place? People are not in the Spirit. Let me get real close to the mic and say that one more time. You want to know why people get in church fights? Because they're not in the Spirit. Uh-oh, he's done went from preaching to meddling. Why do people get messed up and, and, and uh, turn sideways and, and all bent out of shape about, I don't know, Thank God that we we don't have, <laughs> there may be a few things over 40 years. Uh, can y'all can imagine that GT family, church family? We're going to be celebrating 40 years in October. Wow. Maybe a few instances here or there. And I understand people, people, you, you know what? You got that flesh, you got to crucify it daily. But why do people get upset over maybe the color on a wall or, you know, this is my pew. Oh, there you go. Color of the carpet. Suzanne's got the idea. Color of the carpet. Or we wanted this kind of piano. Or I don't like these songs. <laughs> it's like a pastor was preaching on this here at Gospel Tabernacle. But uh, regardless of y'all that are listening, wherever you go to church, you know, worship is about God. Amen. And I'm a, as a worship pastor, you know, someone say, well, I didn't really enjoy worship today, AJ. That's all right. We weren't worshiping you. We were worshiping Jesus. And as long as he enjoyed it and he accepted it, uh, it's all right if you don't like it. <laughs> now, I'm not intentionally trying to make people not like worship, but I've often said this. We here, here at the church I'm, I'm a pastor at, Gospel Tabernacle, we're a multicultural, multi-generational church. We got people all shapes, size, colors, ages, different backgrounds, young, old. I mean, we've got everybody. It looks like heaven. Thank God, because we're people of the Spirit. That's the only thing that connects us. We're not connected by the way we look. We're not connected by the school we went to 
at this church. You know, the body of Christ isn't connected by how you look, how much money you make, where you live, where you went to school, your favorite TV show, your your favorite color, the color of your skin, whether you're a man or a woman. That's not what connects the people of God. What connects the people of God is the spirit of God. And the oil of the Holy Spirit brings unity. How blessed it is and good and pleasant for the brethren, the body of Christ, to dwell together in unity. And that's what connects us. And I've told people about this with the worship, man. I've got four or five songs. I've got, you know, 25, 30 minutes because we got to get to the teaching of the word. That's the purpose of church is the preaching of the gospel. Worship is good. It's vital. It's a necessary part of the Christian walk. But the end goal of a church service is to proclaim the eternal truths of God's word. And worship is to get our hearts ready for that. Amen. So I've got a certain amount of time. I've got a certain amount of songs that we've worked on. We've practiced. We've been diligent to prepare as a worship team. And my hope is you might not like all four or five, but if I can get you to like one of them, I've done my job because I've got a lot of different songs because I've got a very diverse congregation. Amen. But here's the thing about it. We dwell in unity because we dwell in the Holy Spirit. Verse two, it is like the precious oil. Psalms 133, verse 2. It is like, what is unity among Christ? It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. We came right back to it. The Holy Spirit gives life and the Holy Spirit is like oil in that he anoints and consecrates. And he just like that when Moses anointed Aaron, he poured out that bottle of oil on the top of Aaron's head and it ran down his head and it ran down his face and it ran through his beard and dripped down and ran down his, down his clothing. It's kind of like the idea that came to Peter's mind when Jesus told Peter, Peter's thinking, wait, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. I'm your servant. And Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, how can I make, how can I, you know, be a master unto you? Because this is what I have to do. And Peter says, wash every bit of me, wash my hands, my face, wash me all, Lord. If that's the case, wash me all. And that's how we want the Holy Spirit. We don't want just a little dab of a oil right here. <laughs> you can go back and you can see R.W. Shambach, mighty man of God. He preached a lot of tent meetings and crusades. Man, when he would anoint, he would have healing services as James 5, 14 through 16 talks about. Call upon the elders of the church. Let them anoint the sick and pray the prayer of faith that they might be saved. Right? We use oil in services. Maybe the Holy Spirit leads us to use that physical oil as a symbolism of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And R.W. Schambach would do that. But let me tell you something. What he would do. He wouldn't just take a little dab of oil and bless you, bless you. He would take his hands. He would dump down into this bucket of oil and he'd come up and his hands be dripping with oil and he'd lay hands on people. Let me tell you something. You'd come get your healing, but you would leave with a stained shirt. <laughs> stained clothes, but it don't matter. When you get a touch from God, I can buy a new shirt. Man, if I get touched in my body, I can buy a new shirt. Praise God. I can buy a new, I'll buy a whole new wardrobe. But if I can get a touch from God, I can't buy that with money. And the Holy Spirit, he is like oil. 
Now, I'm going to finish this up. I'm coming up onto one o'clock hour. We're about to close. Let me leave you with this. I want you to put this in the comment section. Put this in the comment section. Say this out loud. Say, I am anointed. This is, if you're leaving with anything today, leave with this thought, leave with this confession. I am anointed. I am anointed. You might say, well, AJ, that really is a step of faith for me to say that. I don't feel anointed. You know what? Do away with your feelings. Settle your heart and your mind on what God's word says. Now, what does God's word say? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm about to tell you. Thankfully, I have that prepared, right? If you're going to ask me a question, I got to have an answer for it. You are anointed. It, do it doesn't matter whether you feel it, whether you think it. No problem, Alyssa. I'm glad you're on. Replay will be up. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ, if you're in Christ, raise your hand. That's us. And has anointed us is God. 2 Corinthians 1.21, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Is God. You have been anointed. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are anointed. The Holy Spirit indwelling in you has a desire to completely baptize you in his power. The Holy Spirit indwelling in you has a desire to completely fill you and cover you like that oil being poured out over Aaron, dripping all the way down, the priest Aaron. He, that's how the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life. Filling you from within and covering you from without. 1 John 2.27, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. If you're in Christ, you're anointed. If you're in Christ, you have the spirit of anointing in you. And you have the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is indwelling in you and has a desire to completely cover you. Just like you pour out oil on top of your head, you get dunked in the water. And when you get baptized in water, you get dunked in the water, completely so soaking and sopping wet. That's the, that's the Holy Spirit's desire for your life. Don't have just a little bit of them. Don't, don't be, be like me in chocolate cake. I don't want just a little piece of chocolate cake. I want a big wedge of chocolate cake with a side of ice cream, with a scoop of ice cream on it. You can't really have a side of ice cream, a scoop of ice cream on it. I want a double fudge chocolate cake with chocolate icing and Reese cup bits all over it with a vanilla, homemade vanilla ice cream scooped on top. And do not give me just a little. Give me a heaping helping that when I get done, I have to say, oh, Lord, have mercy. I shouldn't eat so much. Oh, but it was good why it happened. Don't, don't desire just a little bit of the things of God. 
push in with a great, heavy, fervent desire. I want everything you have for me, God. I want everything you have for me. I'm making myself hungry, Miss Sarah. I know you, you, you probably want some too, don't you? I'm making myself hungry with that chocolate cake. I want it all. If God has it available, I want it. And it's that simple. This is not a denominational thing. This is not a white, black, brown, red, yellow thing. This isn't a man, woman thing. This isn't a first world, third world thing. This isn't a young, old thing. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit has a desire to completely fill you and cover you and anoint you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, join me tomorrow. As you know, join me tomorrow. We're going to keep on going Thursday and Friday. We've got two more ses sessions starting at 12 p.m. Thursday and Friday. And look, hey, if you miss some of today, no problem. It, it'll be up. It'll be up immediately, I believe, after this for replay. Just hop right back on. You can see it all or, or later whenever you need it. I'm building a playlist on Facebook, YouTube. It's all there. Also, you can see, hear it on the podcast channel, Gospel Tabernacle Church Podcast. I want to remind you, if you're watching, that uh, we've got Easter coming up this Sunday. Be pl Plan to be in the house of God on Easter. I know a lot of y'all that are watching are part of the GT Church family, but if you're not, go to your church. Be in service. Be in the house of God on Easter. And if you don't have a home church and you're watching, I'd love to have you come. I'm going to be preaching Sunday. It's my privilege to be bringing the word this coming Easter Sunday. And I'm the Lord put it on my heart about a week or so ago, and I'm ready. It's going to be a powerful message of God because it's going to be His word and His anointing. And it's titled, why are you seeking, or excuse me, why do you seek the living among the dead? That's this Sunday. Why do you seek the living among the dead? This Sunday, April 17th, service starts at 1030 a.m. We're going to have an awesome uh, time in the Lord, a bunch of fun activities for all the preschool and children's church kiddos. And uh, as you know, if you haven't shared already, Go ahead and share the broadcast. It's not too late. Every time you share and interact, that gets you a little bit further up in order to win the giveaway. Um, two winners will be announced this Friday. I'll do it at the beginning of the broadcast. Two winners are going to be announced this Friday. They're each going to get this book, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. Wonderful, wonderful book by Pastor Lester Sumrall, continuing your study on what we've been talking about, God the Holy Spirit. And lunch is on me. We'll take you out to Chick-fil-A. You'll get some of that anointed Jesus, a sanctified chicken. <laughs> hey, let me pray for you. Let me bless you before we leave. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Lord, for these precious people who have taken time out of their day to study your word, Lord. Truly, as you said, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Lord, we're thirsty. We're hungry for more and more of the things of you, almighty God. And we thank you, Lord, that you have sent your promise, the promise of the Father. We've been baptized by Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit. Even now, Lord, we pray this, baptize us continually, not once, but a fresh anointing, daily, hourly, by the minute. Let us be continually filled and being filled with the Holy Spirit for he is God. Move among us, move in us, through us, and in our church. 
in this body of Christ. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, won't you type amen in the comment section. Let me know that you agree in prayer, and I will see you tomorrow. I'm going to see you tomorrow at 12 p.m. Gospel Tabernacle YouTube and Facebook and Gospel Tabernacle Instagram. I'm thankful for you, and I'll see you tomorrow. I hope you have a great rest of your day. See you tomorrow at 12. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.